wondering, how do I hear uh, God's voice? And so we're going to tackle that today, and I want to make it as clear as possible uh, that we all can hear God's voice, every single one of us. Um, but I want to I want to kind of warn you with this this statement: If you believe something will be difficult, then it likely will be. If you're coming into this whole thing with an expectation that to hear God's voice is going to be difficult, then you, you're already setting yourself up for it to be difficult. Because typically, what happens is what we expect is what we get. Does that make sense? So if we think that God, if we expect that God's not going to talk to me, then we're not even listening for him, right? We're not even prepared. Come on. You can say amen this morning. You're the, you're the 1045 service. You should be awake. You should have had two cups of coffee and maybe even breakfast. So <clears throat> you can talk back to me today. So I want to make it as clear as possible that we can all hear God's voice. I want to go to Psalms 119, verse 105. <clears throat> very short portion of scripture, but a very powerful portion of scripture. It says this, your word talking about God's word, is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. That word, word, in that verse, if you look it up in the Greek, means God's utterance, God's spoken word. So I want you to, I want you to pay attention. Look at me real quick. What it's saying is, is that your word, O oh God, your written word, along with your spoken word, is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Anybody ever stumble in the darkness? Yeah, I, I stopped one night in the middle of the, of the house. I had an eerie feeling. I was going to get maybe some heartburn medicine, and I'm walking, and just something said stop. And I stopped, and I was walking like this, and I went like this, and the door was right here. I mean, it was about to be a rude awakening, right? Because you know how it is when you wake up in the middle of the night, you try not to open your eyes too much so you can go back to sleep. Come on, somebody. Right? So, so his word, both written and spoken, is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If I don't have his word, I don't have light. If I don't have his word, I can't see where I'm going. I'm stumbling actually in the darkness. Does that make sense? And I want you to understand something this morning also, that God speaks through his word and he speaks with his voice, typically through his Holy Spirit. I have never heard God's audible voice like when Jesus was baptized and he came out of the water and God spoke and everybody heard it. I've never heard that, okay? I've never had that experience. But I have had, and on, a, on a regular occasion, God speaks to me. He speaks to me through his Holy Spirit. A lot of times it shows up as a thought or it'll show up kind of internal. And it, it, it's something that I've learned to recognize. And I, and I know now when he speaks to me. But, but God speaks through his word and he speaks with his voice and as believers, we need both. We got to have both. And, and I'm going to explain to you why. Because if you just have his written word, it's good, it's powerful, it's 100% true. It, it, can, it can move mountains, okay? But if you just have his written word, then you really just have knowledge and you have, you have his written word, and if you're not careful, it can make you become almost kind of religious-like in the fact that you think you're better than everybody else because you know Scripture. Anybody ever meet somebody who can tell you verse and chapter and, and, and all that before the verse? They'll quote Scripture to you, like give you the whole gamut, right? And you're like, you're more impressed that they could say that than actually what was said. 
true. I used to be one of those guys. I used to be a guy that would quote scripture when I would memorize it. I'd memorize the location, the scripture, and then the location at the end. So I was one of those thumpers, one of those verse thumpers that would thump you like that, and you'd be like, and I'll be quite honest with you, I became prideful in that and a bit religious because I, I knew the word. I knew God through his word. And that's good. That's powerful. It's good. It's, it's, it's what we need. We need to know him through his word. But it's incomplete. Because we need to know him, not just know about him. God speaks to us with his voice because he wants us to know him. Okay, if, if I'm going to get to know Dane, I can't just read his biography. I've actually got to sit with him and we got to have what? Conversation. If I do all the talking, he knows me, but I don't know him. Just say amen. Okay, but if he does some talking and we go back and forth, then what happens? We get to know each other, right? And we get to know each other better. And then to top that off, if I really want to get to know him, we need to go do something together, right? Maybe go fishing. Go. We, he and I has worked a cow. We, he came and me and Ethan uh, worked on one of his cows one time. And I got to know him. And then I had a cow that was down and died. And we skin a cow together with four pocket knives. It was a trip. Four pocket knives, we skin a cow. I just remembered that. We got to know each other in that moment. You see what I'm saying? So I could have read his biography and known about him, but instead we had a conversation and I got to know him, and then we did some things together, and we really got to know each other. Is this making sense? So God speaks. He speaks through his written word, and he speaks through his Holy Spirit. Say amen. So he speaks. So key verse for this message today is John chapter 10, and I would encourage you to go back and, and study this, this portion of Scripture in John. Uh, John chapter 10, starting in verse 1, uh, Jesus speaking, he says this, I'll tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. So, so right off the bat, I go, okay, what's all that about? What's, up, what's all this about, about somebody sneaking over the, the fence and, and going around the gate and not coming in from the front door? I think Jesus is warning us that there's, there's people that are going to want to say things to you. There's, there's people that are going to want to speak to you. There's people that are going to want to lead you away, but they won't come in the front door. They will only sneak over the fence. If you want to know who the true shepherd is, he's the one that comes in the front door. What does that mean? That means that Jesus, when he wants to speak to you, he's going to come directly to you. He's not going to sneak around you. He's not going to hint about anything. Come on, guys struggle trying to pick up hints from their wives. Jesus doesn't do that to us. He's not mean. <clears throat> Some of you have picked it up in a minute. He comes right at us. He's not a thief. He's not a robber. He's not trying to fool you. He's not trying to be mysterious. He comes in the front gate. I raise cattle, and my cattle are used to me coming to the pasture. We, my son and I will go every day. They know basically two vehicles. They know his truck, and they know my truck. And we can drive into the pasture, and if the cows are right there, they won't run because they know it's us. But I can stop at the gate, and I've done this before, and I can climb over the gate and go walk in the middle of the cows, and because I climbed over the gate, that freaks them out, and they take off walking. I was going to tell you, I jump over the gate, but I quit doing that a long time ago. <laughs> My ankles hurt. 
But a good shepherd is going to come directly at you, and he's going to come in from the gate. Just a little side note. Then verse 3 says, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he's gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. So watch what it says in verse 3. It says, the sheep recognize his voice. It doesn't say they can. It doesn't say they should. It comes directly at you and says they recognize his voice. What does that mean, pastor? That means this, that I believe God has put something inside of us. He's hardwired us with the ability to recognize God's voice from the other voices. I believe when I was born again, God's Holy Spirit came to live inside of me, and that is what helps me to recognize Jesus' voice. That's what distinguishes his voice from the other voices. It's a spirit inside of me. So i got a couple of thoughts I want to share with you this morning about hearing from God or hearing God's voice. And the first one is this and I want to hit this one head on, is that he speaks. So number one, he speaks. Um, God doesn't have a speaking problem. We have a listening problem. Can I say that one more time? God does not have a speaking problem. He can speak. He spoke the world that you're living in into existence from day one. He has not stopped speaking. He will not stop speaking. We will spend eternity with him speaking. God speaks. Some denominations teach that God quit speaking. Like somewhere along the line, he just got eternally mad at us, and now he's given us this forever silent treatment. That is a lie. God speaks. Did Jesus not talk to his disciples? Did he not talk to the prostitute who was washing his feet? Did he not sit with tax collectors and sinners and talk to them? He speaks. So I don't know where you came from. I don't know what your belief system is. I don't know what lies have been spoken to you. But here's the truth. And I want you to grab a hold of this today. God does speak to us. He speaks to us. And he's given every one of us the ability to hear him. Verse 3 says that they recognize his voice. There's something inside of you that recognizes God's voice. Verse 4 says, they follow him because they know his voice. You see, the only way you can really get to know his voice is when you start to follow him. It's in the following him that you get to really know his voice. Don't follow, don't really get to know. Don't spend no time with your spouse don't really have no intimacy. Don't take her out on a date. Things probably going to be rocky. Don't speak kind to her. Marriage has just been all over this place this morning. I don't know why, but it just has been. It wasn't even in my notes, but maybe some of us are struggling. God speaks. He speaks when we follow. Amen? Amen? speaks when we follow. 
A.W. Tozer says that one, the one who does not expect that God will speak will discount every time God does speak. There's something to do with your expectations. What you expect is typically what you get. If you expect God to talk to you, then you will begin to hear his voice. You will actually start to listen to it. If you're not expecting that he would even talk, then why in the world would you hear him? Come on, you, you got to do something about your expectations. That's what I'm trying to change this morning. I'm trying to change some of your expectations with the first point, that he does speak. He speaks to every one of us, and he wants to talk to you. Come on, he wants to talk to you. He gave you two ears. Some of your ears is bigger than others. Because <laughs> you need to listen more. <laughs> God speaks through his Bible, and he speaks through his Holy Spirit. So if you just got the written word, you can become a little bit puffed up, proud, and you can know about God. If you have just no written word, but you have, well, God speaks to me every day, all day, all the time, and that's all you know about God is what you hear, then you got to be careful because you can become religious Again, but you can also become weird. These are the people that go around and all they say is, thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord this, thus saith the Lord that. Or they say, God said this and God said that. And some people are going like, hold up a second. Every time you say, because you see, you got to understand something. Anytime I say, God said this, that's like the gauntlet drops, right? That's like, this is the word. This is final. God has spoken. That's what I'm saying to people when I say, God said this. It's like if you say God said this, then who can argue with you? Right? So people who only go by what they hear and not by what is written, they can become weird. You know why? Because they have nothing to check what they're hearing. You got to have this to balance out this. Come on, this is, this is making sense to me. I don't know if it's making sense to you. But if you, if you don't have this and you only have this, you can be really inaccurate. I'm cautious of people who throw around God said this and God said that. Why? Because it's a big deal. <laughs> I test it. I've got close friends that, that, that prophesy, and they'll say to me, man, God, God is telling me this, or God is impressing me with this about you. And, and if I trust them, I'll receive it, but I'm still going, test it. How do you test? If it don't line up with this. If they tell me something, it can feel good. But if it don't line up with this, it ain't God. I didn't get too many amens on that one. It can feel good, but if it don't line up with this, it ain't God. I don't care who says it. My wife could say it. And if it don't line up with this, it ain't God. Amen? You got to have both. Why? Because of balances, checks and balances. They, they balance and they check each other out. One can make you puffed up and proud if you don't have the other. The other can make you weird. Can I just say it that way? It can make you weird. You got to have both. Both. 
2 Timothy says this in chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 from the, pas- from the Passion Translation. It says this, every scripture has been written by the Holy Spirit, the breath of God. It will, talking about the scripture, empower you by its instruction and correction, giving you the strength to take the right direction and lead you deeper into the path of godliness. Then you will be God's servant, fully mature and perfectly prepared to fulfill any assignment God gives you. Wow. Why would you not want to get into his word? (laughs) I mean, like, seriously, why would you not read your Bible? Okay, let me tell you again what it does. It will empower you by its instructions. You will get some instructions. And it's correction. The brakes just hit. I wonder if we don't read our Bible because we don't like to be corrected. I don't like to be corrected. (laughs) Can I be honest with you? You want to start a fight between me and my wife? Let her correct me. It gives you strength to take the right direction, and it leads you deeper into the path of godliness. Wow. It says that you'll be God's servant, fully matured, perfectly prepared for every assignment God gives you. That's just with his written word. Why would we not get into his word? I got a friend of mine who every morning, he's a great guy. He's just, he's very, he's very simple. Not simple-minded. He's just very simple. He doesn't let the world get complicated to him. And every morning he wakes up and he sits down and he reads his Bible. And then he prays. And then as he goes through the day, sometimes God speaks to him right there. But then as he goes through his day, God speaks to him. And so he tells me quite often, you know, I feel like God's telling me to do this. Well, we feel like God's telling us to do this. And I'm going, man, that's so incredible. It's so simple. Can it really be that simple? You don't have to be a genius. You just got to be a servant. Read your Bible. Pray and listen. This dude's having fun. I mean, everywhere he goes, God's speaking to him, and God's using him to do incredible things. And I go, man, sometimes I'm like, dude, you provoke me. You provoke me, but when you tell me what God's using you to do, that provokes me. It should provoke all of us, amen, in a good way. My second thought is that we need to listen carefully. This isn't really complicated. This isn't a complicated message. (laughs) He speaks. (laughs) Listen carefully. God has a volume that he speaks with. I want to show you in 1 Kings how God spoke to Elijah and how God corrected Elijah. Elijah had just finished up the bonfire incident where he called down fire from heaven and God wiped out his bonfire and then rain came and then he killed a bunch of prophets of Baal and then Uh, He got threatened by Jezebel. A woman threatened him, and for some reason, Elijah takes off running, and he runs to the mountains, and he's now hiding in a cave, but God doesn't want him to hide in the cave. So we pick up the story in verse 11, chapter 19, verse 11 of 1 Kings. God's speaking to Elijah. He says, go out and stand before me on the mountain. The Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. 
but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after, and after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And the voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Man, there's so much in these verses right now. So much for us to hear. Elijah was wrong. Elijah was in trouble. Elijah was doing what God did not want him to do. He was hiding. And what Elijah thought he deserved was not what God gave him. You see, many times we think when we mess up, here's here's the dilemma of being a Christian, a spirit-filled, born-again Christian, is that now you've got this consciousness, now you've got this spirit living inside of you that brings conviction to you, so you know when you're doing wrong, you feel it, right? Come on, shake your head if you just act like you've been saved or something. I mean, like, you're just like, you, you know, that's the dilemma of being a Christian is I know that I've messed up. There's no doubt that I've messed up. But the reality is, and we know this to be true, is that my only help comes from God. And the only way to get past my mess up is to confess my sins to Jesus, which means I got to get close to him to confess it to him, right? So, so he's in this dilemma. He knows he messed up, and he knows the only way he gets right is with God. So now he's in this place where he's going, I don't know what to do. And what we think we deserve is not always what God gives us. God shows up in a mighty windstorm that's peeling rocks off the mountains, but God was not in the wind. He shows up, then then there's an earthquake, but God was not in the earthquake. Then there was a fire, but God was not in the fire. Where was God? He was in the gentle whisper. Elijah thought he deserved the hard hard wind. He thought he deserved the earthquake. He thought God was going to whoop him with a fire, but what did God give him? A gentle whisper. You see, this is the beauty of God. This is the part that I just can't wrap my head around, is that every time I'm being tempted to sin, there's always a gentle whisper that says, don't do it. You're better than this. Don't do that. Don't do it. Get up. Walk away. Don't do it. If I then decide to do it, all of a sudden my conscience gets damaged. Condemnation comes, guilt comes, shame comes, the enemy comes, and he stands on top of me when he should be under my foot. And then Jesus comes, and I think he's going to hit me with the wind. I think he's going to hit me with the earthquake. I think he's going to hit me with the fire. And he goes, come on, champ, get up. Let's go. You don't belong here. It kills me. Because can we be honest? Sometimes I would rather the fire than the gentle whisper. You hear what I'm saying this morning? Sometimes I'm like, God, just hit me. I mean, I would feel better than if you were just nice to me. Like, why are you being gentle? with Your gentleness is wrecking me. Anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? He says to Elijah, what are you doing here? God 
God called him out of a cave. And he called him back up. He didn't beat him further down. Have you ever wondered why God whispers? <laughs> Have you ever said, God, would you just be a little bit louder? I mean, like you're praying and believing for something, you're not hearing nothing, like crickets. Have you ever been like, God, would you, a little bit louder, please? I had a couple of thoughts about that. Could it be that every other voice in your life is loud and proud and God wants to be distinguished? Could it be that God requires us to be still and know his voice? You know how it is with your kids. You're trying to correct them or instruct them or give them some kind of thing. You're trying to tell them something, and, and then you're, you're staring at them, and they're like. And you're like, look at me. Anybody's kids do that? Am I the only ones? <laughs> I wonder if he just wants us to be still and know that he's God. And listen. Could it be that what he has to say is more important than anything else in our lives at the moment? What if his gentle whisper is a gift? You ever thought about that? What if his whisper is a gift? What if he whispers and the gift is, I got to slow down, quiet down long enough to hear him, and that's the gift, is that he's speaking and it slows me down. Because some of y'all need to be slowed down. Some of y'all need to speed the heck up. (laughs) Can I just pastor you for a minute? Some of y'all like too slow. Anyway, I'm not going to chase that rabbit. Quiet your soul. And open up your heart to hear him. Because here's the truth. We're required to run at God's pace. He's not required to run at ours. And too many times we get up in the morning with our agenda and our to-do list. And we think, God, you need to keep up with me today. And he's going, oh, no, buddy. You run ahead of me. You're going to be on your own. How about you come run at my pace because I've got the perfect pace. You see, we're responsible to listen for his voice. And I want you to remember this. When you're trying to figure out what he's saying, go back to what he's already said. Is making sense? When you're trying to figure out what God is saying, what is God saying to me? Go back to what he's already said. Always check it with what he's already said. Number three. So he speaks. Can we agree on that? Shake your head. God speaks. We have a listening problem. Shake your head. Yep. Look at your neighbor and say, you're hard of hearing. <laughs> You've been wanting to say that for years. <laughs> we need to listen carefully, and then we need to follow his voice, which honestly is the, is the greatest form of trust that we can give to God is when we do what he says to do. Verse 4 of John 10 says, after he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. Here's the cool thing about Jesus is Jesus is ahead of us and he's leading us with his voice. He doesn't put a leash on us and drag us all over the place, right? He leads us with his voice. Where is his voice? His voice is ahead of you. 
What is Jesus always calling you to do? To go forward, right? Stop living in the past. Stop letting the past determine your future. Listen for his voice and keep going forward. Some of you, it's time to get past your past because you've been living in the past so long, you're still living in your hurts and wounds because you won't listen to his voice and step forward. He's calling you out of pain. He's calling you out of trauma. He's calling you out of bad memories, but you're not listening. You're staying there and you're, you're, Meh, meh, meh. That's my best sheep impression. And, and, and you're not going anywhere and you're not getting out of what you're in because you're not following his voice. Right? Satan wants you to stay locked into your past. Jesus is calling you out of it. He's calling you into greener pastures. That's why forgiveness is such a big deal. Because when we don't forgive, we get locked, right? He's in front of us. He's always calling us forward. You see, God never reminds me of my past. Only the enemy does. He's up in front, and with his voice, he's leading me. What am I following? I'm following his voice, right? I'm following his voice. It's his voice we're following. They know his voice. What does his voice consist of? His words. Right? It's not, it's not, it's not complicated. <laughs> I'm a simple kind of man. His voice consists of his words. In, in the book of John, chapter 1 says, it it. it it, it explains that Jesus is the word of God. It, he's the word that became human or became flesh. Jesus is the living, breathing word of God. That's what, that's what John says in chapter 1. It explains that he was there from the beginning. So when the earth was created, it was Jesus who was the word of God, right? So when we're following his voice, we're actually following Jesus who is the word of God. Does that make sense? So to say I'm following Jesus doesn't mean that I go to church. To say that I'm following Jesus means that I follow his words. And his words give me life and they call me forward. They don't call me backwards, they call me forward. If I don't follow his words, <laughs> I'm stuck. Do you agree? I'm stuck. If I don't follow his words, his voice is not behind me. His voice is in front of me. We serve a Lord who walks ahead of us. <laughs> you got to get this. He goes before us. We don't serve a God that lets us get surprised too often. He's already there. Are you getting this this morning? Because you're following something. Every one of us is following something. We're either following our past hurts, pains, and, and wounds, or we're following the voice of the world, or we're following our flesh, or we're, or, we're following some, or we're following Jesus. We're following something. Every one of us is. As a pastor, I've had people tell me, I'm waiting on a word from God. 
You know, you, you, there's needs that, that come up in the church all the time. You know, I mean, we always need people to serve here, serve there, do this, do that. I mean, it's, it's, it's a church. We're growing. We always have more needs than we have people. And so sometimes we go and we ask people, hey, would you consider serving here? And they go, this is sometimes their response. They go, well, I'm waiting on a word from God. Can I make a confession? And I hope you're not in here and you've never done this to me, but if you have, well, you deal with Jesus about that. When they tell me I'm waiting on a word from God, you know what I want to do as a pastor? I want to go, well, here's your word. Grab it. That's your word. No, no, what I mean is I'm waiting on God to tell me yes or no. He already said it. Well, well, show me where he said it. It says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. He already said it. But, but he already said it. Here's your word. Go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to do everything that I've taught you to do. And lo, I'll be with you to the end of the age. He already said it. If you're not hearing something from God, he's already given you instructions on what to do. Love him with all your life. Love your neighbor as yourself. By the way, your spouse is your neighbor. Go make disciples. If you'll get busy doing that, you'll hear God more than you ever have. Because it's when you take a car and you put it in drive that it actually gets somewheres. It's all nice in the showroom floor, but it ain't doing you squat. Right? It's when you put the key in the ignition and you start it and you put it in drive and you start to move that you really get to know what the car can do. Amen? It's not until you start loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving your neighbor as yourself and then making disciples that you really get to know what God's doing. But as long as you're waiting, it's not moving. Is that too hard? You can say yes. You're like, yeah, like somebody would say yes, that's too hard. Waiting on a word. You want to know something? God's not going to give you the next thing until you've done the last thing he told you to do. I'm reading a book by Ian Bounds on prayer, and he said this. He made this statement talking about God. He said he is, in, he is not in such a hurry as we are, and, is, and it is not his way to give more light on the future than we need for action in the present or to guide us more than one step at a time. You want to know how you get better? You get better by obedience. You get better by obedience. Here's the beauty of walking with God. Is when he says something as simple as buy this guy coffee. Hey, I want to pay for his coffee. Well, you don't have to do that. I want to pay for your coffee. Well, why are you paying for my coffee? God just told me to pay for your coffee. He said he loves you. You know what you gain in that moment? You gain a perspective from God that you didn't have before you obeyed. You gain an experience with God than you had before you obeyed. 
you may just end up having a conversation with that guy that you can actually lead him to Christ. You get better by obedience. When God speaks, you do what he says. Is it scary? Yes, it's scary. I was scared the first time. It's like jumping off the high dive. You think you're going to die when you hit the water. But if you're aerodynamic like me, you don't even make a splash. You drain the pool. (laughs) But it's scary. Can we be real? It's scary. It's scary to do what God says. It's scary to go make disciples. But that's not an excuse not to do it. We will all stand before Jesus one day and have to answer about Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Whether or not we made disciples. You know why? Because he said to. You remember the story, I think it's in Mark, where Jesus says that people will come to me and they'll say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We healed the sick in your name. And you remember, it's, it's kind of an awkward story because they were doing things in Jesus' name. And he says, and I told them to get away from me because I didn't even know you. And if you're not careful, it'll strike you kind of sideways and it'll make you go, what? But they were prophesying in your name, Jesus. They were healing the sick in your name, Jesus. They were doing these things in your name, Jesus. And he says, get away from me because I don't even know you. Wow. If I'm going to get to know Dane, we got to sit down and talk. Right? And then we're going to go do some stuff together. I know this is heavy. I know this is hard. But can I be honest with you? We all got to face it. We all got to come to the realization that we have to do something. We can hear. He does speak. We can listen. And if we listen carefully, we'll hear him speak. And then we get to do what he says. We get to follow his voice. You're not waiting on a word. You've already got a word. And you get better with obedience. And watch this. Here's the blessing in it all. An experience with God is just around the corner for you. Your next experience with God is just around the corner. Anybody want an experience with God? Six of you. I'm preaching the wrong message. There comes a point, though, sometimes when the shepherd stops. And I had this question, God, do you ever stop? And the answer is yes, God stops. You know, a good shepherd, if he's leading a sheep a flock, he'll stop. Why does he stop when he finds, he, he stops when he finds good grass, clean water, and he recognizes that the sheep need rest. He stops. What does that mean for us? If you're not hearing anything, and you're still doing this, but God's not speaking to you, maybe he stopped. And maybe that means you need to stop for a moment because he's brought you into a nice pasture that he wants you to graze in and he wants you to grow from and he wants you to rest and he wants you to recover. 
That's what a good shepherd does, okay? But when the sheep are moving, they get tired. And when, they, and when, they, when they've journeyed for a long time, they get weary. And a good shepherd knows when to stop. Jesus knows when to stop. If you're leading your life, you don't know when to stop. You may stop too early. You may not ever stop. Does that make sense? He causes us to stop. And all he's stopping for is so that we can rest and recover. So here's the truth. Sheep left to themselves get in trouble. They drink dirty water. They get hung up in the fence. They get tied in a knot. Come on, can I get a witness? I got some goat people in here. Goats are the same way. They'll, they'll get hung up in a tree. They'll run to a wolf. I mean, they're just, sheep need help. Somebody said it. I didn't say it because I'm a sheep myself. Um, <clears throat> but sheep need a shepherd, and we need to be led. So last question, where does he lead us? Where does he lead us? Psalms 23 says this from the message translation. It says, God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. You have bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. True to your word, you let me catch my breath and send me in the right direction. Even when the way goes through Death Valley, I'm not afraid when you walk at my side. Your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. You serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. You revive my drooping head. My cup brims with blessing. Your beauty and love chase after me every day. Say every day. Every day of my life, I'm back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. That's where he's leading us. Where is he leading you? He's leading you to a meadow with good grass to graze on. Stop. Enjoy it. Graze. Feed on it. Feed on what he gives you. It's bread of life. Feed on it. Let it wash you. Let it energize you. Let it refresh you. Drink deep into his Holy Spirit. He's bringing you into a place of fresh water. Stop long enough to drink. And then it says to catch my breath. Look at me. Everybody look at me. It's okay to stop. It's okay to catch your breath. It's okay. The shepherd knows when you need to get back up and get going. And he'll tell you. He'll tell you. Because a good shepherd lets them recover. Because when they recover, they can go further next time. Amen? You know, some of you are so busy, you won't stop for anything. You won't say no to your boss. Some of you will say no to God before you say no to your boss. And your boss could be your customer. But if the shepherd's saying to stop, then you might ought to stop. Because there's something there he wants you to graze on. There's something there he wants you to enjoy. There's something there that he wants for you because he loves you and he cares about you. Verse 4 says this. I just thought I, I would share this with you. I thought it was pretty cool. Verse 4 says that even when the way goes through Death Valley, that's not LSU, it's actually the Valley of Death. 
He says, I am not afraid when you walk at my side. Your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. There was a valley called Death Valley, and it was surrounded by mountains. And, and the only time it got light was from about 10 o'clock in the morning to 2 o'clock in the afternoon when the sun was at its highest peak. That's the only time this valley would get any kind of light in it. But any time before 10 in the morning and any time after 2 o'clock in the afternoon, it was almost like dusk, like it was about to get dark for real. And so when a shepherd would bring their sheep through Death Valley, they tried to hit it between 10 and 2, if that was the time frame they were watching. But they would try to hit it when there was light because the sheep get nervous at dusk. Sheep get nervous when it's getting ready to get dark because that's when the enemy comes after them. So you'll, if, you, if you've ever raised sheep or been around them and it's dark, it's starting to get dark, you, you notice they'll start to get nervous. And they kind of, the, the, the one good thing they do is they typically go sleep in the same spot because they know it's secure. But when a shepherd's walking through Death Valley with his sheep through a nervous time, a scary time, a tension time, a time of pressure, whatever it is, Instead of walking so far ahead of them, he would draw back to them, get close to them. He would try to keep the herd tight because sheep, when they get scared, they tend to run. And if they run and they run away from the shepherd and they run away from the herd, that's when they get in trouble. As Christians, we weren't called to run away from God's community. We're called to stay in his community and to stay in his presence because that's where security is right? So the shepherd would draw back, pull them in close, and he would walk slowly with them them until they got out of the valley of death. Can I tell you, that's how much God loves you. He will slow down for you, and he will walk closely with you. And some of you, he is walking with you right now. And you may not even recognize it, but he's walking with you through this valley that you're going through. Do you recognize that he's there? Do you know that he's with you? Can you sense him? If you can't, can I tell you? Can I encourage you? Just slow down. Quiet your soul. And just listen to his voice. He's right there. He's not way up there. He's right there. Just listen. Just listen. He's still leading you. In fact, he came closer to make sure that you're okay. Make sense? That's a shepherd that loves us. Right? If you can't hear God after you've quieted your soul, this is my encouragement for you, very practical. Go back to the last thing he told you and make sure you did that. If you did the last thing that he told you to do, then he stopped. And it's now a moment to graze. Does that make sense? Go back and make sure you did the last thing he told you to do. If you did that, praise God. If he's not telling you where to go next, rest. There's some times where I'll have my quiet time and God will say to me, go organize your stuff. I'm serious. He'll say, he'll say, go organize your stuff. This is what I learned. I go to my truck. I dig out everything in my truck. 
and I reorganize my truck. I declutter my life. I go to my office. I declutter my office. I organize everything. I go to my room. I, I declutter my room, my closet, my clothes. I get rid of clothes because evidently I'm not losing weight, so them skinny clothes got to go. So I get rid of clothes, and I, and I declutter my life. You know what he's saying to me? I care so much about you that I want to organize your life. I want to make sure you don't have too much clutter because you're resting right now. You're recovering right now. You're refreshing right now, and that's perfectly fine because the shepherd said that you can. And if he says you can rest and recover, then rest and recover. Don't worry. He's going to get you going again. <laughs> He's got a destination. Rest and recover. 